Hello everyone and welcome. Today on the podcast we have Zhenya Dubrova, a Ukrainian girl who is a student at St. Mark's School, a private US boarding school where she received a full scholarship. She now celebrates her acceptance at Dartmouth. Her path started with an interest in health science and biology. She attended numerous international science competitions, but Over time, she also became passionate about creative writing, winning an extremely competitive award to study writing at the University of Cambridge over the summer, and also authoring numerous publications in the United States and Ukraine. What I like about this episode in particular is the process of her transition from science, which is very objective and rational, into writing, which is very subjective and emotional. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Hello, Zania, and welcome to the podcast. Hi there, it's real pleasure to be here. Me too. The very first question that I'd like to ask you is... So you've been to a private American boarding school, and it's always been interesting to me how it's like in that kind of institution. Is it like a university or like a Ukrainian public school? How is it in an American private school? Yeah, that's a great question, actually, that I had when I was applying to boarding schools, because a fun fact, I've never even visited um, any of the schools I applied to before I came to the United States. So the first time I actually came to America was one um, was in the fall um, two years ago when I already got accepted to St. Mark's School, which is a boarding school in Massachusetts. Um, so... It was all really weird to me, you know. Um, it's so, so, so different from the Ukrainian school, from what I, I was used to, because I, uh, I went to the, you know, just like an ordinary um, public Ukrainian school uh, for 11 years. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say the first thing that comes to my mind is just the, you know, the range of resources that the American school has. Um, in addition to, well, you know, because it's a boarding school, you uh, obviously live on campus, you have uh, beautiful dorms, um, and um, so you spend just like, you know, 24-7 in the school. You study there, you go to sports there, you eat there, you meet, uh, you know, all these incredible people from all over the world there. Um, and, um, you know, just in terms of the resources, um before coming to the American school, I was pretty interested in science, but you know, the labs in Ukrainian schools are, let's just say, not the best. I mean, it really depends on the school. <laughs> Most of the public schools, you know, uh, let's just say, yeah, there are some problems with that. And when I came to St. Mark's, you know, I was just like mind blowing uh, with, the, you know, all the labs and like um, different, uh, equipment different pieces of equipment um and Mm -hmm. um the the second thing that really comes to mind is the athletics and this emphasis on sports uh, in the united states and i never really did any sports in ukraine you know well we have b physical education um that's it um and you know compare it to what the sports look like the united states b sounds kind of like a joke uh and um you know 
um, every season a student is usually either required or really uh, it is recommended that a student participates in different sports. Um, you know, there are different courts, tennis courts, squash courts, um, pools, um, different fields, football field, basketball, uh, gym, whatever, just like so many resources. Um, it was really, I was really impressed with that. Um, but then in terms of academics, uh, Wooden school or just like generally school in the United States is really different from Ukrainian, um, uh, you know, schools too, because uh, in Ukraine, we're usually re required to take about 20, 25 even sometimes uh, classes. Um, and uh, in the United States, you can choose the classes that you want to take. So I only took five or six classes every semester, which was really cool. And um, I could choose, uh, I could pick the classes that I wanted to take. For example, um, this semester I'm taking five classes and three of those classes are English classes because I'm oh really God. interested. In, yeah, <laughs> I know that's, uh, yeah. Um, there are, you know, there, but there are not just, you know, like in Ukraine, we're used to, there are classes like chemistry, biology, physics, and that's it. But then um, in the United States, there are classes like, I don't know, the basics of mechanics or whatever, like a specific topic that could be a year-long class. Or you can do a research and you can basically just spend a year writing research in something and that's going to count as a credit. Um, so those are just like some of the things that really stood out to me when I first came to St. Parks. But really, even in terms of just like, you know, the... Mm -hmm. way the school looks just like picture Hogwarts it's um our <laughs> yeah every student or a person you know a parent who come to St. Mark's um their first words are like oh my god your dining hall looks exactly like the Hogwarts dining hall <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah it's kind of like the old British style you know um design and yeah it's really beautiful and memorable Wow, wow, that's so cool. So just to clarify, so people like actually live in those schools, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, most of the people do. Um, all of the international students obviously do. Um, mm -hmm. I would say at St. Mark's, only around 10% of students are day students, which means that they come from, you know, from around the area where the school is located. So they um, come to school every morning and then they go uh, back home uh, like at usually 8 p.m. at night or something like that but most of the students like 90% live on campus in different dorms mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so uh, you s how how the rooms in St. Mark's I think I think it's quite interesting to a lot of people and to me uh, that like how is like the living conditions in American boarding schools I'd say uh, the thing about uh, the dorms and like your rooms, it kind of depends on how lucky you are usually, because uh, there are different, again, like, yeah, I mean, it's usually in life, uh, you know, there are different types of dorms. Some of them are older, some of them are more, you know, they were renovated recently. And I think it, that's similar to most of the, you know, colleges and schools in the United States. Um, the living conditions are somewhat different depending on the dorm, but overall, like you're gonna be fine, you know. You're gonna have a good room. Uh, yeah, it's like you know. Um, we at St. Mark's we have either singles or doubles. So you either live alone in a room or you live with one roommate, uh, which was really good. I think because um, I know there are some schools where there are 
triples or, um, you know, four people living in one room. Mm -hmm. So I was glad to hear that. And um, usually how it works is that there's a house lottery and you basically just pick a number and then depending on your number, this is kind of like the order in which students choose um, the room and the dorm. And every time I picked like a number, it was something like towards the end of, you know, <laughs> for example, we have like 350 students at St. Mark's and I was like 330 something. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I really enjoyed my time in the dorm and unfortunately right now I'm um, in Ukraine and I'm taking online classes because of the quarantine, but I really enjoyed my um, boarding experience at St. Mark's. Mm -hmm. and, and just a question to uh, satisfy uh, my curiosity, uh, how do you take online classes? Do you use Zoom or some other software? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we use Zoom, um, but um, I would say we only each class and I again, I take five classes. We only meet either once or twice per week. I mean, in Zoom setting. Um, and it's usually like a 20 minute class, Zoom class, but then most of the work is just, you know, you, you either meet one-on-one -on -one with a teacher over email or maybe Zoom if you want to, and then it's just, you know, homework. Um, mm -hmm. so, so it's mostly focused on homework, right? Not yeah, classwork. I'd say so, yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, another thing that, that's quite interesting to me personally is, uh, in Ukraine, in, in our public schools, we usually have about 15 subjects per year. And uh, uh, in uh, American boarding schools, you have about four to five subjects, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. And I think that that's interesting to me is um, how big is your academic school load? Like how much hours do you spend in class and doing homework? So um, I can say exactly for online classes, the um, kind of, because um, um, the school, well, when we started the online learning, the school said that um, each class would take about three to four hours of work per week, which is lower than, um, at, you know, when at the regular school time mm -hmm. we have physical the school i would say usually it, it really really depends on the classes that you take uh, and on how rigorous your schedule is so for example my junior year which was my first year at st mark's uh, which is kind of the um 11th year uh if we count like that because there, there are 12 years um in american schools not mm -hmm. 11 in Ukraine. so um, my junior year i took six classes not five and i took uh, three of them were advanced classes or ap classes so um that that was that was interesting that was hard uh you know <laughs> um kind of like jumping right in uh you know and uh -huh. i never even been to the united states before i never even like spoken english um you know 24 7 before so um you know taking those um classes that was hard and i had tons and tons of homework but that was my choice deliberate choice because i wanted to jump jump right in because mm -hmm. i thought that it would be easier later on and it really was easier for me later on so i had about i would say um well at least for hours of homework every day 
but then my second semester I took um, five across, classes uh, and I took uh, some. Excuse me, across all the subjects, four hours of homework a day, right? Yeah, yeah, for real, uh -huh, all the uh -huh, subjects. Uh -huh. um, but again, there were like classes for which I only had like, you know, some, some just some reading assignments, but then also there were like some projects or um, like this year I took a class uh, called History Fellowship, which is basically I spent a semester writing a research paper, like a 40 page research paper in history. So that that was a lot of work, uh, but then some classes were easier, like one of the English classes that I took, um, it was mostly just like discussion based class. So I just had to prepare for the discussion. I didn't have to write something. So it really depends on the classes that you're taking, but you really should be prepared to work hard. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And uh, just a final question about like the, uh, maybe not the final question, but a question that interests me a lot about the academic load is how many lessons, uh, different lessons a day do you have? Um, it's cool. Yeah, so it's usually three or four classes every day. Um, we have, I think, Mark's, we have, uh, well, we have Saturday classes, but the Saturday classes are not um, the same classes are not those five or six classes that I'm taking um, like regularly. Saturday class is like a different program where you basically pick a class for like a term and it can be anything like writing a short story or uh, learning to play drums or whatever. It's usually something fun and experiential. There were, there were people who uh, their Saturday class was, you know, learning how to bake or whatever. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, or, you know, you could do a mini internship somewhere or, you know, go off campus and do stuff there. So it's really a lot of fun. But um, the regular uh, Monday to Friday schedule was that I had usually four blocks um, every day, but then sometimes I would have three blocks. Um, so it's usually three to four classes daily. Mm -hmm. and, and you get a Sunday off, right? Yeah. Wow, wow, that's cool. And you mentioned uh, talking in English 24-7 and what's a cultural sort of um, uh, difference between Ukraine and USA noticeable and was the kind of uh, the, the process of uh, moving from Ukraine and to the United States and adjusting difficult for you personally? Um. You know, honestly, like a lot of people ask me that and I feel like because I lived um, in a boarding school in Massachusetts and I spent most of my time in this kind of like a bubble, you know, on mm -hmm. campus, I rarely went off campus. So um, most of the people that I spoke to were teenagers and I feel like uh, honestly, the teenagers are pretty much the same everywhere. Like uh, they're not that different in the United States. <laughs> You know, than in Ukraine. That's like my feeling. I don't know. I know some people who had different experience, but that's just what I'm thinking. Um, and even like international students too. Um, of course, there are some differences between us, but there are also some, you know, common points. And like, um, it, it, you know, I didn't have um, that many problems um, adjusting socially and culturally, I would say. Um, well, maybe culturally, I missed Ukrainian food. Uh, I, oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I was kind of, yeah, I was really, really uh, waiting for, um, you know, coming back to Ukraine for my breaks, like winter break or summer break, and, you know, just eating borscht or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, 
but otherwise um i didn't have that many problems with that and in terms of language you know i just um i spent a lot of time um over the summer before i came to St. parks um you know improving my english and I think what I really focused on was, um, you know, reading and listening and writing, but it didn't have that much speaking experience. Uh, so maybe in terms of speaking, it was, um, you know, a little difficult at first. And I remember actually when I first, my first day, uh, I arrived to St. Mark's and one of the admission officers met me and he asked me, when did I come to the United States? Like, when did I fly in? And I said, I wanted to say like yesterday that I flew in yesterday, <laughs> but I said tomorrow. And that was like the dumbest thing I ever said. And I was like, <laughs> I was so embarrassed. Like, oh, you know, I came tomorrow. And that was like, I, I've never even made that mistake I know, since I was, I don't know, 10 or something. But, you know, your brain is just kind of like, it's, it's hard to adjust at first. But then I swear a week into the school year and you're like, find yourself, um, you know, speaking with different people and you don't think that it's hard for you, um, you know, you, it's kind of how our brain works. I don't know, especially if you are, you know, a teenager or a child, you know, I feel like it's easier for us uh, to adjust. Um, mm -hmm. but I did have some uh, funny stories, um, you know, connected to, you know, English and kind of this transitioning process. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's one of the stories that I like to tell um, my senior year. So it's this year. Um, uh -huh. I had a new roommate from Thailand um, and she only came to St. Mark's for her senior year. So she didn't know much about the school or about the campus. And one of the things that we have, I mean, we have them in Ukraine too. It's kind of like the fire drill. Uh -huh. um, so randomly at different like random times, uh, the fire alarm would go on uh, and um, you know, the whole school have to like evacuate at different points, uh, different like places around the school. You have to know where you need to go and stuff like that. And it's always like random, but I remember that one day and it was the first fire drill of the year. So my roommate didn't know like about it at all. And it was 6 a.m. and the fire alarm goes off and uh, we wake up and she's like super surprised she doesn't know what to do and i'm telling her well nancy her name is nancy we need to go outside because it's a fire drill and she says sorry i don't understand and i say I, i'm i'm like kind of angry because it's 6 a.m and i just woke up because of the stupid fire drill you know and my roommate doesn't understand <laughs> I'm like what what's going on here and i'm like yelling at her kind of uh well come on we need to run outside this is a fire drill and she's like uh, can you repeat it again? And I'm like, oh my God, Nancy, it's a fire <laughs> And at that exact moment, I realized that all this time I've been yelling at my roommate in Russian. <laughs> and it was so, so, I was so embarrassed because, you know, but it's just like, again, the brain, I don't know, because um, it was 6 a.m. and I just woke up so suddenly and I started speaking in Russian and I didn't even realize it. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. I had to apologize uh, a lot of times. But... <laughs> how, how, how can uh, Thai people not understand Russian? It's illogical. <laughs> yeah, you like, why? It's just so similar, right? <laughs> wow, that's crazy. And, and, and like, you were in the United States for like a year at that point, right? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> the power like of habits. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs>
And uh, you mentioned uh, writing uh, a lot. And uh, I, I know that you're really passionate about creative writing and you have been on a uh, summer creative writing program at the University of Cambridge in the UK and you've received a lot of grants for creative writing and uh, a question I have for you is how did you even start on, on your path in creative uh, writing where you're now arrived at the point where you're uh, in the process of writing your very first novel? How did that whole thing come about? Uh, thank you for the question. And I really love talking about it because I feel like that, <laughs> that's kind of that, that, that whole story kind of defines who I am right now. And, um, um, I actually was, and I, I think I mentioned it before, I, I've been pretty interested in science for like most of my life um, before mm -hmm. I came to St. Mark's. And, you know, I did a couple of research here and there in biochemistry, and I participated in different science Olympiads. I even went to the international science competition. So I was like pretty solid in my choice to, um, you know, become a scientist or a doctor and dedicate my whole life to it and stuff like that. And my parents were pretty happy because, you know, science sounds good. It's not, you mm -hmm. know, thing mm -hmm. you <laughs> and, um, and then actually what happened is that when I became the finalist of the Ukraine Global Scholars Program, um, which is pretty interesting that I mention it right now when I'm talking about writing, but it actually did kind of help me find this passion in writing. Um, and I don't know if we're going to talk about UGS later, but I am the finalist of UGS and you are the finalist of UGS, obviously. <laughs> so full disclosure. <laughs> um, and, um, UGS is the program that helped me, um, be, be accepted to the boarding school in the United States to St. Mark's and later helped me, um, get into Dartmouth, uh, where I'm going to continue my education next year. And so when I first uh, came to uh, Ukraine Global Scholars Camp, uh, I think it was 2016 when I became the finalist, I was in my ninth grade. I just saw, you know, so many different students from all over Ukraine passionate about all those different things, you know, arts and writing and humanities and science. And that's, that was kind of like the defining point for me when I started to reevaluate my interests and I was just so like, you know, solid on science for most of my life that I never really thought about other things. Um, never and, really... and, now, and now you're taking like three English classes at St. Mark's. Yeah, right? classes. You know, if you tell me that four or five years ago, say you're crazy, honestly, because um, it was just like, it seemed so distant. But then actually, then I started uh, drafting my um, application essays and stuff like that. And, you know, there's a lot of writing involved in the application process when you apply to boarding schools or colleges in the United States. And it's not just any writing. It's not the type of writing that you do, um, you know, in Ukraine when you write your kind of like Tvir or whatever, like an essay for Ukrainian lit. Um, it's a different type of writing way you are actually diving into your personality and you exploring your, you know, interests and your, who you are and what you want to do. And that was just so interesting to me. And that's, that's what I started writing first. It wasn't creative writing it was those types of essays. And then, and then when I came to St. Mark's, um, I, I was just very lucky to, you know, um, get to know 
amazing teachers, like one of my English teacher, who is now my kind of mentor, and she helps me a lot with my writing and gives me a lot of feedback. And we went to together, we went to the one of the biggest poetry festivals in the United States, um, in New Jersey. Um, she is actually a renowned American poet, and she, you know, published a lot of uh, poetry collections and stuff like that. And I was just really, really fortunate enough to get to know her and other teachers who uh, just kind of told me that, you know, you you actually can do that. You actually have maybe some capacity or like a talent or whatever to do that. And that's when I realized, because I deep down, I knew that I love doing it. Like I knew that I like doing it more than I ever liked science even, you know, but that was such a scary thought for me. Uh, and for my parents too, because, you know, this kind of like the idea of your child pursuing the career in arts is maybe not, you know, the best. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's not, it, it's, arts is not the safest option, obviously, or humanities even. Um, and that's actually one of the things that I love to challenge is that, you know, you can pursue arts, you can pursue humanities. That's what you're really passionate about. And you don't have to, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm think that you're not going to have any future just because you choose that path. Um, so yeah, I started writing a lot and um, it was, so I dabbled in some poetry and then short stories. I um, I tried to send my work to different, you know, um, different collections or competitions, um, newspapers. Um, so I published some of my works. Um, and then last summer I applied for um, the Cambridge scholarship um, and I got in, I was really, really surprised. And that was the moment where I realized, okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe when I apply to college later that year, I will actually choose creative writing as my major because I think that I can do it. And that's what's kind of, yeah, that was another moment for me. So yeah, uh, I went to Cambridge. I had an amazing time there. And yeah, I'm writing and I'm going to do writing in college. <laughs> wow, that, that's so amazing how you were like participating in uh, science conferences and international science conferences. And, and then you, you write a personal statement. And then all of a sudden you decide that creative writing is, is the right thing for you. And uh, it, it sort of reminds me of, of a story I've heard from uh, Peter Thiel, who is a co-founder of uh, PayPal. And he, he, he has this beautiful story told on, on some podcast. It goes like this, that um, it, in career choices, imagine that you're a horse and you have uh, like a stash of hay to your left and you have some water to your right. And uh, uh, the horse was uh, standing there and it was kind of like between the choices. And it, it was so torn between those. It was so ambivalent. It couldn't just decide. And it stood there, and it stood there, and it stood there. And then it died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, Not and the point is, I was hoping for it, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's, it's kind of hardcore. But the point is, decide to try at least Thompson. And you can always do one thing for like one year or three years or 10 years and then go like the exact opposite direction. And I I think that uh, kind of your, uh, I'd say professional story represents that so, so beautifully that 
people should shouldn't really be afraid to to try new things and uh were your parents supportive when you told them that you were considering creative writing um a short answer no <laughs> sure, a long answer, yeah a long answer would be um yeah we actually like had a lot of conflicts you know associated with that because you know again and i, I really do understand them right now because i feel like when you have a child and i mean you obviously you want the best for them you want them to be you know um safe in their career choices and be sure that they have a bright future ahead of them and especially when I when I got in um, got into St. Mark's and uh, I went on to continue my education in the United States, my parents were really proud of me and they were like, "Wow, okay, so she can do something in life, you know, something impactful." And they were, again, like pretty sure that I was it was going to be science. And um, and then you know this just like sudden sudden change of of hearts and. Uh, and it's not just, you know, something, it's not just from, you know, biochem to physics or, you know, biochem to pre-med or whatever. It's <laughs> hardcore, creative writing, mom, I'm going to be a writer. And it just doesn't sound, you know, very reassuring. And it even like to me, I know that I still have doubts about it every day, not about my choice, but about my future, basically, because I don't know, you know, if I'm going to be ever published or if uh, my books are going to be successful or whatever. And I feel like every artist, every person has those doubts and it's okay to feel that way. Um, but I feel like when you find something that you really, really love doing, you just know it. And, you know, I, and, and, and those people around you, they see it too. So you just gotta find that confidence and, you know, something within yourself and then other people will notice it too. And I like to compare it with, uh, you know, I feel like the thing that happened to me was kind of like I was, I thought that I was passionate about science and it was in a way. But then when I found writing, I was like, oh, my God, I never thought that I could love anything that much, you know, and, and I like to compare it. I don't know, <laughs> like, appropriate. Well, it is appropriate, but like uh, when you like a person and you think that you can never love someone uh, more than you love it person right now but then you know something happens um you know you go different ways and then you find someone else and you realize that you love them even more and that's kind of like what what's happening here I feel like and you just know that you you just have I don't I don't know how to explain it like I just knew that that's what I want to do and I couldn't you know do anything else um I mean I, I'm interested in a lot of things I'm still interested in science I I'm interested in history I'm I'm thinking about double majoring and writing and history you know there are so many things that I like doing and exploring but this is something that I want to do in the future and this is something that I'm really really passionate about this is something that I can't imagine my life without and when I said that to my parents they were like okay now we see that you know, you can't live without it, basically. So, you know, they accepted it. it after some time and after, you know, some conversations. But I feel like, first of all, you have to find, you know, that strength and, I don't know, resilience, that confidence within yourself. And then later on, people around you, especially those people who love you, they will see you and they will accept you for who you are. Yeah, that's such a beautiful story. Uh... It, it sort of reminds me of a quote that, that goes like this. Uh, try to be yourself as much as possible. And if uh, some people don't like you, they might 
just not accept who you truly are and the people who really love you will accept you no matter uh, who you are that that might be like a i don't know maybe not not a very uh, truthful quote in 100% of the cases but it's very worse considering so what were the first steps that you took when you decided to become a creative writer and what steps might someone take who is uh, i don't know maybe loved reading a book or maybe is just inspired by some article and is considering maybe dabbling or uh, full-fledged pursuing creative writing what would you recommend as uh, the first steps uh, honestly the most basic and the most truthful answer would be to write and write and write and then to read and read and read and then to write again and read again and repeat uh, in that sequence or, you know, whatever you like. But I feel like you you cannot be a good writer unless you're also a good reader and you read a lot. And, you know, because, well, you know, think about any other profession. Um, if you want to be, a, I don't know, an engineer, you got to look at, you know, no, you got to start with the basics and um, kind of build on your knowledge on the knowledge of other people and like whatever they've discovered already. And then also after that, after you have all that like knowledge and basics, um, you can do something, create something new. And I feel like that just works with writing um, too. You got to, you know, read a lot and like different literature, not just the writers that you like, but also maybe even the writers that you don't like and and analyze those stories and figure out why you don't like them and then try and avoid those techniques or like, you know, those styles or something like that in your writing. Um, and another like kind of piece of advice that goes with it uh, hand in hand is um, something that I do maybe not with novels, but uh, with the short stories and novellas or, you know, shorter works um, of fiction. I read them multiple times. The first time I read them, it's just, you know, for fun, just to enjoy it. Um, and then the second time over, I try to read it like a writer, you know, uh, try and look how the writer, mm -hmm. you know, establishes the plot or the characters or the voice or stuff like that. Why does he put um, things that he puts in the story? So that's, that's something that was really helpful to me. And then the other thing thing is, of course, just to get as much feedback as you can from different people, because um, it's, it's, it's always helpful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, I know that it seems to me, at least, that you've begun your uh, kind of real creative writing way when you got some of your pieces published in some Ukrainian publications. Uh, right? Yeah. And then people kind of reach that point when they have some material and they kind of uh, know what they like and what they don't like. How do they approach getting their work published in uh, a outlet of some kind? First of all, you got to be ready for rejections. Um... <laughs> that's, I mean, that's scary. That's the world we live in. That's, you know, um, something that you just got to be ready for um, in any profession, not just writing, but especially in writing, probably. Uh, and then just if you if you feel like the work, I feel like, honestly, it is the art 
uh, to know when to stop revising your work because it's never going to be perfect, but you got to stop at some point. And when you feel like, okay, now you've revised it enough, it's, it's, it is a solid, good work. You got some feedback, people liked it. Now you can send it to different publications. I feel like right now it's not such a big problem. You know, you can just like Google some public online publications and start with that. And then it, of course it depends on the language you're writing in because um, the, um, the stories that uh, you mentioned that I sent to Ukrainian publications, they were in Ukrainian. And that was kind of like, I started with writing in Ukrainian, but then I, uh, right now I'm mostly writing just in English um, for different reasons. First of all, just be because of the broader audience. Um, second of all, because I study in the United States and that's the language I'm, you know, um, talking in, in writing most of the time. And then thirdly, and this is like really, that this was weird to me, but I really, really love writing English. I don't know why. Just Same, same, same. <laughs> I don't know why. Just the languages, I love Ukrainian. I think it's one of the most beautiful languages in the world, but I love writing English. Uh, I, I don't know, because of the structures of the language, whatever. I don't know, but <laughs> I just love it. And so if you're writing in Ukrainian and you live in Ukraine, of course, after online publications, you can try and to submit to some regional publications, which what I did, I lived in Poltava, uh, at the time, so I, I send my stories to some Poltava publications. Something so, like Poltava Times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something along the lines of Poltava Times. Um, and, and, you know, you got to be rated that, you know, 10 people only will read your first story and, you know, 11 of 10 people will be your relatives and it's okay, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, it's fine, but then... The more you you write and the more you publish, maybe the more people will read it and enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I would say just start with online publication and then see where it kind of goes. At what point would you think it would be worth getting a mentor for creative writing? Um, that's a good question. I feel like when you're you realize that you're serious about it, well, it depends on whether you have, you know, some people in mind already. Um, if you if you have a professor or a teacher that that you think would be that you think would enjoy your writing and um, that you think have some experiences um, in either I don't know writing or just you know a good reader or whatever can give you a valuable feedback, just go for it and ask them to read your work. Um, you know, that's also what I did. I, I didn't consider my English teacher my mentor, but um, I mean, in Ukraine, my English teacher in Ukraine, when I was still here, uh, but I gave her some of my works and she, she's like my friend basically right now too. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, um, we we got to know each other really well when I was still in school. And so we, now, we still talk right now, even after, you know, two years um, since I, I graduated from that school in Poltava. Um, so, and then, so yeah, if you have the person, just go for it. Um, if you're, if you want, if you don't have the person in mind, but you feel like you need someone, like, kind of like a mentor figure to look at your work, um, it's actually a good like I always kind of had some people mostly teachers or professors that I could just go to you know um but I feel like you can always start even with your friends like the first 
person I'm actually sending my work to is my best friend. Um, and she always says she likes it and I never believe her, but <laughs> you know, at least it's the first step. Um, but you know, she's really honest. So, um, yeah, I gotta, I gotta believe her and trust her. Um, yeah. So I'd say you can always find some people, maybe, maybe even if your parents are not the best, you know, are not really, don't really like reading or something they can it's always useful to hear the feedback from a person and to hear what they think from their perspective because when you write you just spend basically you know hours and hours just like focusing on those sentences and they are like so engraved in your mind that you can't really hear what they sound like from you know from a different perspective or just like from a fresh point of view so you either can go for like a person and hear what they say or another thing is, and you don't even need a mentor for that. It's just to live, live the work for like a week or something like that. If you're writing a story, you just like don't look at it for a week and then read it after a week and see how it sounds like. Cause then you can look at it from, you know, a fresh point of view and really see, okay, so this, this moment here is, doesn't sound good or this doesn't make sense or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And a question that I think interests many people, not only in the creative writing sphere, but uh, I think in any sphere at all, because when we start to kind of go beyond what's expected of us or what our friends or relatives expect of us, or maybe just doing something unusual and maybe a bit against the grain, we encounter criticism. And it's it's something that I've been dealing dealing a lot lately. And do you have any mindsets or maybe some thoughts on how to not get harmed by criticism and turn it into something that uh, improves you? Um. Yeah. So I don't really have any like specific you know pieces of advice for this, except for you know don't punch a person. If they <laughs> that's not good um do yoga i don't know you know meditation <laughs> go for a walk don't punch them but um you know in, in all seriousness um i would say uh, i don't know you just gotta you just gotta accept it and i feel like i've always been kind of good at it because i i like to criticize myself too and I, I, <laughs> again i i just never fully like my work and i I mean, there's always something you can work on. You got to find a point where you just stop. Um, but just take it, always take it with a grain of salt, but also never, but always give a benefit of the doubt. So never, you know, even if it's, the, you know, the most, I mean, in case of writing, the most, I don't know, renowned writer in the world, like, I don't know, who it is they're probably all dead right now but i don't know shakespeare <laughs> uh, i'm not the biggest fan of shakespeare by the way but um <laughs> uh, i don't know someone um and they tell you that your work is a complete bs or whatever um they might not be right you know they might be something valuable in your work you just gotta find it and you know try and conservate like focus on that element or they might say they really like it but 
most of your audience will not like it. So it really, really depends on the person and their opinion. So I would say just like when you go and ask just one person and they say they either don't like it at all or they really, really like it, just, you know, go to another person and go to many different people and not just, you know, and again, like read your work like multiple times over. And, um, and you just... At the, I feel like at the end of the day, it's you who decide whether you will accept that, you know, those uh, remarks, like those, you know, pieces of criticism or not. At the end of the day, you are the one who, you know, who is writing and who is editing um, and polishing the work. So it's it's always your choice. Um, so I feel like you just got to trust your gut. And if uh, it says that, you know, yes, this is a valuable feedback and you got to change that, then do that. If you feel like maybe that makes sense, but I still feel like this is my voice and this is what, um, you know, I want to do. And maybe I want to do something different this time. Um, and this person just used to the work that I usually do, but this time uh, I want to do something different. Just do it, you know, because at the end of the day, you're the one who decides. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... Wow, that's so cool. And I have, I think, two more questions about creative writing, which I just want to, to ask you so much. <laughs> First one is kind of a bit unrelated, but uh, did you like your time at the University of Cambridge? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> um, yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, um, uh, I spent two weeks there and... <laughs> We not only, well, I spent most of my time at the University of Cambridge, like in one of the colleges of, of that university, but we also had time to go to, you know, to London and to University of Oxford. So that was amazing. It was my first time in the UK. Um, and I mean, the university itself is, I mean, it's, it's just amazing. It's, it's breathtaking, you know, um, such an, mm -hmm. you know, ancient and kind of powerful atmosphere there. Um, and then all the tutors, of course, were amazing. And I don't know, I, that's all I can say, you know, it's, I feel like it's, it sounds so cliche, but of course I did. I did like it. It was amazing. And, um, it was actually really helpful for me to, you know, take just two weeks off and really focus on my writing. Cause I, you know, um, uh, during the academic year, I spent most of my time on, you know, my academic work and homework classes and stuff like that, sports. Um, and then over the summer, when you live uh, with your family, you know, you have other things on your mind and other stuff you, that you need to work on. But then just taking those two weeks off and really, really writing for, you know, most of the time of the day was really helpful. And it kind of helped me got into routine so that after... Cambridge I went back home and I actually when I when I didn't uh spend a lot of time writing during the day I felt kind of odd you know because those mm -hmm. two kind of got me to this routine of writing you know a lot so that was helpful from that point of too wow wow that's cool and uh do you find any big differences between your experiences in uh, UK universities and maybe you had some experiences in the US universities how do they kind of come come against each other right yeah uh, for sure um, and I didn't so I didn't um, 
take any classes except for creative writing in, in Cambridge. But mm -hmm. um, but I talked to you know a lot of students from there, and I got to know some of the you know um, um, kind of facts and, and you know stories about Cambridge and stuff like that, and about the admission process as well. And first of all, well the admission pro the application process is different too. Um, it, it, and it's more similar to, in UK, it's more similar to Ukrainian um, uh, kind of process, I would say. Uh, they do have some essays, but those essays are not, those essays are not personal essays, um, as in the United States, so you're writing about your experience and your feelings. Uh, but in UK, um, when you're applying to their um, universities, it's kind of like an academic essay. So if you're applying for English department, uh, for like an English major. Oh, and there's one more difference. Um, in the United States, you're basically applying to a university or like a school. Um, and then you can declare your major after your sophomore year usually. And um, in the UK, you, as well as in Ukraine, you are applying for a program for a specific department, a specific major. So you're applying for an English major, you have to take a test. Um, that's like a specific test for that major, for the English major, and then some general tests, kind of like Zeno in Ukrainian or SAT in the United States. And then you have to write an academic essay, which is like, I don't know, a five page or whatever English essay about something. Um, so it's different. Uh, and then the education there is also kind of focused on that academics, um, Again, it's kind of similar to Ukraine because it's more, you know, lecture based, um, you know, just like, you know, you go to different lectures and then you write, you you go back and you do your homework, whether in Ukraine, whether in the United States, it's, you have sports and community projects or events, so you have, you know, I feel like there are just like so many different pieces of education there. So it's different, and I wouldn't say that one is better than the other, but it's just whatever, you know, fits you best. And I felt like after I, I had I, I had some time to think about whether I want to apply to college mm -hmm. well, but at the end of the day, I just decided that the education in the United States fits me much better and those, like, you know, different components and uh, focus on, you know, liberal arts education and... Um, you know, kind of exploring different, different class, different classes, different subjects, different fields, um, just is what suits me better. Mm -hmm. And for for the listeners who might not be aware, uh, liberal arts basically means a uh, approach from all the sides. So uh, in in the United States, even if you go to a school of engineering and you major in computer science or mechanical engineering, you still have to take some amount of classes in history or maybe philosophy, and it's up to you what you choose. But you you absolutely have to take some classes in humanitarian disciplines. And uh, I kind of love this approach. It kind of gives you like an uh, all-around education and yeah, yeah, things like that. And we mentioned in the podcast uh, the program uh, Ukraine Global Scholars, and <laughs> I, I think we are like very late to go back to it. But um, <laughs> just wanted to mention for uh, anyone that is uh, interested in the uh, education in the United States, we will leave a 
link in the show notes. And basically what it is, is um, if, if you get selected to the program, you basically get in a, like an astonishing amount of support in your uh, application to the uh, United States and it's 100% free. So if, if you're, we'll, link, we'll leave a link in the show notes. And um, it's, I think it's kind of amazing how an, a personal statement in the EGS application kind of inspired you to pursue creative writing. I didn't know that. That was crazy to me. <laughs> and uh, a kind of a kind of question about that period in where you kind of transferring from Ukrainian to English. Was that process difficult? And did you have to translate any of your works or works of other artists to kind of uh, switch from Ukrainian writing to English? Um. So I feel like in terms of my writing, I didn't translate any of my stories. And I feel like the process of translation is just so delicate. And, you know, it's really, um, I mean, it's something that I work with and it's something that I actually wanted to talk about more. But um, I feel like when I wrote something in Ukrainian, it was meant to be in Ukraine. I don't know, it sounds kind of cheesy, <laughs> but... Um, and when I write something in English, it's kind of not meant to be, but I mean, I, in my mind, it sounds in English, it, you know, it just, it just works better in English. I don't know if that makes sense. And, um, but I, well, actually I'm lying. I had to translate some of my work for my parents because um, I read them some of my stories. So I had to, you know, translate them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never, you know, like kind of did an actual, you know, professional translation. Um, for a publication or something like that but that's definitely something that I I want to consider later um, as I will write maybe bigger works Um, but in terms of other artists something that I do and something that I'm interested in is translating um, the works of Ukrainian literature into English and partially it was just prompted by you know me going to the United States and realizing that you know, my English teachers talk a lot about Dostoevsky and Tolstoy and, you know, all those great Russian writers, but no one knows, you know, Ukrainian writers. And, um, you know, it just kind of made me realize how, you know, we actually, there's not, there aren't many translations of great, like actually great Ukrainian works um, into English and people just don't know anything about it. They never heard about, you know, those writers, they never heard about their work. And I felt like that's something that I would be interested in doing because, um, because, you know, I, I, I spend most of my time talking or writing English, but I also am fluent in Ukrainian and I also write a lot. So kind of those three components, <laughs> you know, they go well. <laughs> Uh, hand in hand together um, for this specific task. So uh, I started like all alone um, and I, I mostly uh, focused on poems, um, which I did that because I, I just really love Ukrainian poetry. And, but, but it's just so, you know, different from the poetry in English language. And there are some, you know, 
like really major differences. For example, Ukrainian poetry is mostly, you know, um, it mostly has rhymes in it. And it's especially like classic Ukrainian poetry, like, I don't know, um, Shevchenko or Semenenko or, uh, you know, Vasil Stus. And um, English poetry mostly doesn't have any rhyme in it. Um, so it was difficult, but it was such a great experience. And most of all, I felt like it made me a better writer mm -hmm. uh, when I was translating the works, uh, which was really interesting to me. And then after that, I decided to, you know, maybe assemble uh, more people to work on that. So again, I started with my friends who I also, um, I, I knew that they, you know, speak and write in English very well and they, you know, are fluent in Ukrainian. So we started working on that together. And after like a couple of months, we had um, a team of eight students and we all were working on translating different Ukrainian literary works. And we started working on short stories too. Um, so it was such an amazing experience. And um, and uh, right now I'm thinking about, you know, expanding it and, you know, maybe inviting more people in and doing it more, you know, big scale and um, continuing this work in college for sure. And then maybe we can... Um, so in college I was thinking uh, about working with maybe taking um, a couple of translation classes and working with a professor who, you know, did work like that, um, you know, translated something from other languages to English and then asking them for their feedback. And because the thing about translation, which was like actually really interesting to me is that you don't have to be like, you can ask other people for feedback who are not necessarily fluent in the language, in the original language. So, for example, my one of my English teachers from St. Mark's, she fluent she in uh, modern Greek language, and she she had a, an experience of translating uh, poems poems from Greek um, to English. Uh, but she could give me a great feedback on my translations from Ukrainian to English, even though she did not, you know, read the original poem. But she could give me feedback about, you know, the. Um, or you know the word choice or um, the fluency I don't know the um, the rhythm the metric of the translation so that was great um, so that's oh, what I'm, so interesting yeah that's what I'm thinking about working on um, right now too and hopefully maybe we'll um, expand our team and uh, maybe even publish some of the works or I don't know, create some some cool project or something to showcase it for the audience. Wow, wow, that's so cool. You know, a thing I love about interviewing kind of uh, emerging stars and like you know professionals, young professionals especially, is that in in you know big name interviews of like the, the podcasts that interview people who've already achieved a lot and are kind of like more resting like on their laurels. Like the Tim Ferriss show, many many of the guests he interviews kind of already achieved everything. But the thing I love about uh, interviewing kind of um, young people is that they are still rising and they are doing a lot of projects right now in this very moment. And talking about expanding your team, would you say that translation helped you in your creative writing? And can translation help? other people in improving their writing in general? 
for sure for sure um i'd say like it definitely helped me a lot even like learning other languages helps you a lot but translating from those languages or translating from the languages you are already fluent in it's really really helpful in terms of you know just like you you really spend a lot of time on trying to pick the right word um that you know not only conveys the meaning but also goes well you know if it's a poem um goes well with the rhythm and the rhyme of your poem so you have to look through all the synonyms or like similar words you know look at different connotations of this word and how it you know goes with the words in the in the verse or in the line so it really you know it, it's such a delicate work and it's such a you, you gotta look at you know every word like kind of like from with a mic so um so yeah i think that that really helps you a lot um to kind of learn more about the original language about your target language and then also just like generally you know about writing wow wow that's so cool and would you mind if we do a round of rapid fire questions and what it means is the questions are really fast but your answers answers can be anything they can be short they can be long they can be very short if you if you so want to um are you ready <laughs> i'd love to i'm terrible at things like that but i'd love to try <laughs> what's your favorite movie uh patterson yeah p-a-t-t-e-r-s-o-n and it's about um poetry surprise surprise (laughs) (laughs) uh what's your favorite historic figure um historic figure wow that's uh uh, that's not a rapid fire okay Uh, um winston churchill Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, what's an animal that you'd like to be alpaca Alpaca. <laughs> Sorry, I have like a mild obsession with alpacas, so <laughs> I love them so much. <laughs> What's your favorite music artist? Uh Ukrainian uh, music band Boombox. Boombox. They're kinda cool. I like them. I uh, when you hear the word successful, who is the first person that comes to mind? For some reason. I think of like my different teachers, honestly. I don't know. I play, yeah. yeah, that's that's fine. It's fine. Uh, how has a failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? Do you have a favorite failure of yours? A favorite failure of mine was the eleventh grade all Ukrainian English Olympiad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a cool start. Um, so I, I, so for those who don't know, the kind of structure of the All Ukrainian English Olympiad that you have a reading a section first, then listening the on the other day, and then writing and then speaking. And so after the reading and listening, I was like pretty, you know, um, I was like among the top um, students. And then we had a writing section and I thought, okay, so this is like my time to shine and I'm going to like write such a good essay. And then I wrote a, a, really like a creative piece, but that's not what they were looking for. 
Um, so I got like a really small score, um, on a really low score on writing. And I was like, so disappointed. And I thought like, that's, oh my God, like, I, I be like, I can't do writing and, you know, I'm so bad. Cause I didn't know that, that just like, I got such a low score just because they weren't looking for that. Um, so I didn't, I didn't place, um, on that Olympiad at all. And then, um, but then on the award ceremony, they had, judge of the when, when they were like giving me the diploma they had judge whispered into my ear that I was going to be a writer one day and like I remember it still and I, I probably remember it for the rest of my life that was like that was kind of a failure but also like one of the I don't know biggest moments in my life uh what is a weird habit or an absurd thing that you love the weird thing would alpacas count as the weird thing? I don't know. Like, honestly, it's just like <laughs> right now I'm sitting in a sweatshirt that says I love alpacas and I have an <laughs> alpaca cup with me here. So, yeah, it is an obsession, but sorry. H have sorry. you ever seen uh, an alpaca in real life? Yeah, I have. Mexico, actually. Wow. During a yeah, science uh, fair, right? Yeah, 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 right. I went there for an international science competition and yeah. That was a lot of fun. Wow, that's so cool. Um, the next question is kind of a difficult one, and you might take some time to think about it first. And uh, it goes like this. I, I love it, though. If you had an opportunity to put a message on a gigantic billboard that could reach millions or billions of people, what would it be? It will sound cheesy, and I feel like I talk about it too much, but do what you love to do. Yeah, yeah your story is like a perfect manifestation of, of that message. I love it. I love it. Um, what might you do to accomplish your 10-year plan in the next six months if you had a gun against your head? Oh, I would have to like type really fast and like write a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it probably wouldn't be possible. Um, I feel like what what's what's the point, you know? But if I had a gun to my head, I would just like have to type really really fast. When <laughs> <laughs> uh, you feel anxious or overwhelmed, what do you usually do? Uh. I mean, if I'd say I write, would it be really obvious? <laughs> like do, you have, person. do you have a journal? Um, I do not. I actually do not. Um, I, How come? I mean, I, mean, I you know, I, like all my notes on my phone and on my laptop are just like filled with different like weird, I don't know, like scenes or phrases or whatever. Um, but I do not have a journal, which is really weird. But also, except for writing... Um, I mean, those are also kind of obvious, but, you know, reading, meditating, um, you know, exercising, I don't know, going for a walk, yelling at someone even, it helps a lot. Uh, a question that, that I really love, what are some bad recommendations that you hear in creative writing? Um, bad recommendations. Mm-hmm. At first, I thought about trying and imitating someone, but then it's actually not really true because I feel like you always 
I mean, it's actually a good thing to try and imitate someone, but then you, like eventually you gotta find your own voice. I don't know if I ever, you know, if at this point I have my own voice. It takes like a lot of time and effort. So you, yeah, you have to like imitate, and you, you kind of will imitate other writers, just like even by, I don't know, kind of subconsciously. Um, so a bad recommendation. I mean, it, it's so cheesy. Why <laughs> thinking of like such cheesy things to say? But um, just like to stop, to stop writing. I don't know to stop trying. What important truths do very few people agree with you on? That's such a good question. I feel like I always surround myself, or it kind of happens. I don't know. I feel like I'm just so lucky, and I'm surrounded by the people that I usually have the same values or you know truths and value the same ideas and principles that I do uh, including my family and you know best friends and teachers and classmates and uh, so honestly I don't even I don't even know um, in terms of like people close to me I would say that we have the same you know we value the same truths and ideas mm-hmm you're you're very lucky in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like honestly, I just I I can't you know stress that. I feel like I I my first draft of my college essay, I wrote the phrase like I'm so lucky like a hundred times. I don't know, and I had to like erase every every single time because that I don't know. It's 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 an ambiguous kind of vague phrase, but I was just you know sometimes I just have those moments when I'm so overwhelmed with you know <laughs> everything. So yeah. And uh, coming back to the dominant topic of this conversation. Uh, oh, podcast? <laughs> almost, almost. What are one to three books that have impacted your life the most? Um, so I have three favorite writers that I adore. Um, and um, they, all of them are kind of 20th century um writers like realism kind of i, I don't know I, I like realistic literature the most um so it'd be hemingway and the book would be the sun also rises um then mm -hmm. erich remark um i feel like he's he's not really known um in the u.s actually like um he's one of my favorite writers but when i talk to like anyone about him uh, people would usually not have heard about him at all but like in ukraine a lot of people have heard about Edimark, um and yeah, yeah, so i like most of his novels but i would say three comrades really impacted me a lot and that was like one of the first books that i read and i realized that i wanted to try and do something similar um, mm -hmm. and then the third writer is uh uh, Raymond Carver, who is a short story writer. So I just recommend picking any of his um, collection of short stories, for example, Cathedral, and reading uh, and reading them. They're amazing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so I think a few the last questions. What would you do if you had a billion dollars in your bank account? It'd be really nice. Um, <laughs> I can think about like a million different things right now, probably. And the most obvious and the first thing that comes to my mind would be traveling. Mm -hmm. 
but then also actually something that I'm thinking on, um, something I'm thinking about, um, and especially, you know, after spending some time at the boarding school in the United States and coming back to Ukraine right now, and my sister is um, in the Ukrainian school, um, in middle school, and, you know, I'm just like comparing kind of those two education systems, and I'm thinking about how, I, I don't want to say, you know, better or worse or whatever, but how much more, I don't know, um, it seems like more logical to me or, you know, um, it just like impacted my life. The two years that I spent at St. Mark's and it's not only two full years, it's like a year and a half that I spent there um, impacted me so much and changed me so much and gave me so much more than, you know, so many years here. And I feel like it's, and it's not the problem of my school and it's not the problem, you know, Ukraine is just something that we have, you know, after, still after the Soviet Union. And I feel like I, one of the dreams that I have is maybe after my education in the United States is coming back here and building a, a boarding school for Ukrainian students, like maybe private school, because I don't know if I'm going to be able to, you know, change the uh, educational system here completely, but maybe it's going to be like one of those little steps that's um, going to help at least, you know, some of the students here, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, I want to build it on the values and on ideas that I um, learned in, uh, you know, in the United States and in other countries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would be great, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I feel like all of the finalists of Ukraine Global Scholars would be like interested in that and you know <laughs> something that we think of at one point or another I feel like everyone just thinks about it and compares you know some experience here and there so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and kind of uh, coming to the end uh, of the interview We've talked about so much and I still have so much questions I'd like to ask, but I want to be mindful of your time. I think we mentioned uh, back in the interview is a project of yours, which is dedicated to the translation of uh, Ukrainian works of uh, poetry and translating it uh, into English. And I think that I really want readers to know right now is that uh, if you want to work with Zhenya uh, directly and so that she can maybe help you on your way to becoming a creative writer or just make a contribution to the cultural heritage of Ukraine, you can actually join this, this project and uh, help it right now. And as far as I understand, uh, you right now uh, recru- are recruiting people, right? Right, yeah. And maybe you could share some more details details about it and where people who are interested can find uh, the project or you online. Right. Uh, I'd love to find more people to work with on this project or maybe, you know, just chat about this project or other ideas, you know, tra- connected to translating or writing or whatever, or this <laughs> college program. So um, you can find me on Facebook. Um, if you just search Evgenia uh, Dobrova in English, which I'm going to spell in a minute. Um, and it's a really weird spelling, but um, Y-E-V-H-E-N-I-I-A-D-U-B-R-O-V-A or 
you know, um, so you can find me there and just send me a quick message and, um, yeah. And I, I, I'd love to meet you. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think we talked so much about writing and we forgot a thing that I personally love about writing so much that really helps you clarify your thoughts and uh, writing about yourself helps you get to the core of who you are and maybe help you with the choice of your career even and uh, i'm personally a huge fan of writing when i feel overwhelmed and i have my uh, kind of diary where i journal when when i'm feeling overwhelmed and the clarity of thought that you might get from uh, taking part in any writing initiative is just amazing and uh, if you're interested, feel free to use the uh, opportunity with Zhenya. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, uh, thank you so much. I uh, hope you have a great day and uh, goodbye. Thank you so much for having me.